In a world uh, with a population of a few million people from different ethnic backgrounds and social strata and diverse interests, division and conflict were inevitable. It was in this context that Jesus prayed one of the most bold and outstanding prayers that have ever been prayed here on earth. He prayed, Lord, make us one. Make them one as we are one. The prayer is known as the high priestly prayer. And in this chapter 17, he prayed for his glorification in verses 1 and 5. For the believer's protection, verse 11. For the believer's sanctification, verse 17. And for the unity of the believers, in verses 21 through 23, as we read this morning. This uni unity is applicable to those who have believed in Christ. It is exemplified by the unity, the harmony between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The purpose of such unity, as Jesus stated in his word, is that the world might believe that you sent me. The world will know that you and I are his disciples when they see the harmony and the unity in us. In our minds, in our hearts, as individuals, with the spouses, in, in our homes, in our churches, in our community. The world is witnessing the way we behave and the way we treat one another. To me, there's nothing worse than visiting somebody, you know, husband and wife, and then they start arguing and they ask you, now who do you think is right? Oh, I didn't, I didn't hear your thing. I think it's time for me to leave. It is horrible when husband and wives start demeaning each other in front of people as well. We're called to build each other up. We're called to edify a home where unity is foundational and love it's real unity brings completeness my friends and this is what habit six is about synergy which simply defined means that the whole is greater than the sum of its parts synergy it's everywhere in nature. I have a picture there that shows you that. Usually, when we plant two plants close together, the roots will commingle and improve the quality of the soil so that both plants will grow better than if they were separated. It's the same thing with us. That's supposed to happen. 
King Solomon wisely said it. He said two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. And in Genesis 2.18, God had already established this principle. He said that it was not good for man to be alone. So he fashioned. He didn't create like he did with Adam out of the dust. The word in the Hebrew here is different. He fashioned a woman, a helpmeet, out of Adam's rib, one of the ribs. I mean, he, he was asleep. He fell asleep. And uh, we don't know how long that was. But we know that when he woke up, he just said, whoa, what happened here? And it was, it was it, it's a typical thing of man. He went to possess it right away. And he said, now you are bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. Basically, he was saying, you're mine. You're my woman. That's the way God created it. That's the way God intended it since the beginning. Unfortunately, humanity has not learned from their past mistakes. Our world is still a sin-stricken world. There's political unrest, suffering, injustices, wars and rumors of wars, and extreme polarization, just as it was during Jesus' time. The late Dr. Martin Luther King, pastor and prominent activist, said it this way. We must learn to live together as brothers and sisters or perish as fools. Many people have not experienced even a moderate degree of synergy in their family or their family of origin or in their life or in any other type of interactions. They are distrusting of people and prefer to keep to themselves. This is a great tragedy, a waste in life because so many uh, or so much potential remains untapped and much energy is wasted when people try to do things or solve problems on their own and especially when they work on division rather than on unity the bible tells us in psalm 133 that where there is unity, that is the place where the Lord commands the blessing. Nothing will kill and destroy a church and a family, a community faster than division, the bickering, the gossiping. That's one of the things that I tell the staff, and especially when, when we do interviews to hire. I will not allow anybody to come to the staff and create division. If you have an issue, if you have, because we all have issues nowadays. If you have an issue, if you have a problem, we practice the uh, Matthew 18 principle. You go to the person and you tell them what's wrong or what hurt you or what bothered you. And we discuss it. And we're going to make sure that we get a win-win. If the person has to leave, 
So be it. But we're going to work together in unity. Because that's what pleases God. And the same applies to the church. You see, it's a great tragedy, as I said, when people cannot work together. And people with these tendencies come into a church family system. And they can cause major havoc. Or they can be touched and transformed by God through the unity in his body. I've had people say to me when I call them back because they've been to church a few times and they fill out a card and I get to call them and introduce myself and, and I say, what keeps you coming back? And they most times would say, the warmth and the love that I feel at your church. What a sign that is. That's what we just read, John 17. You see, synergy requires teamwork, team building. It is the development of creativity with other individuals. As most of you know, every Tuesday morning, 9.30, we have Worship This Time Team. We begin with a devotional. Brother Scott leads us into the glory of the Lord unto the throne, and we pray. We pray for all the requests. We pray for the needs of the people. Then we go into the service. We talk about what happened, what went right, what went wrong the week before, and what is it that God wants us to do? How, how is it that God wants to touch his people the following week? And then we pray about it. And one would say, well, I think we should do this song here. And another one would say, well, I think maybe we should move it this way and, and, and do it this. And, and we pray and we come together until we have consensus. And sometimes that doesn't happen right then and there. Sometimes th that happens Thursday morning. And the saying is, blessed are the flexible. Beloved, there is great power in synergism, but only mature people can synergize. Because when we synergize, we value different opinions. We listen to one another. We listen to different viewpoints. And this brings an effective impact and greater organizational unity to the family system. Because a person feels seen, heard, and valued. When Christians synergize, it's not my way is the only way, or my way or the highway. It is let us discern the way of the Father. It is the way of the Father manifested through us. Elie Wiesel, a Romanian-American writer, professor, and Holocaust survivor, wrote his highly acclaimed memoir, Night. 
And in it, he shared his horrifying childhood experiences in a Nazi camp. And he tells his story. Having gone without food or drink for three days, thousands of Jews were driven out of their barracks at dawn into a thickly falling snow and herded into a field, forbidden to sit or even to talk. They stood in line until evening, waiting for a train that would take them deeper into Germany. The snow drifted into a layer upon their shoulders. Their thirst was intolerable. One man suggested that if they eat the snow, they would do better. But they were not allowed by the guards to bend over. The person in front of that man agreed to let him eat the snow that had accumulated on the back of his shoulder. That act spread out the line all the way. And in a frozen field, there had been individuals struggling with their separate pain that field suddenly became a community sharing their suffering together. That's what unity does. Coming together. And once people have experienced synergy, they are never the same again. Our witness is greatly in power when we truly become one body under the authority of Jesus Christ. That's what habit number six is all about. Synergizing, being agents of unity and peace. And habit number seven is sharpen the saw. And this habit surrounds all the other ones. It is the one that makes all the other habits possible. In 3 John verse 2, we are informed that it is God's desire for us to prosper in all things, in all areas, as our souls prospers. And this is what habit seven is all about. Preserving and renewing and in, uh, enhancing the greatest asset that you have. Do you know the greatest asset you have? You. Perhaps some Christians may say, oh no, that's not biblical. Oh, yes, it is. Jesus said, 
you shall love your God with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your might, and your neighbor as you love yourself. If you don't love yourself with healthy love, taking care of your body, your mind, your spirit, then you cannot love anyone else. If you love yourself as Jesus commanded us to, then you will refresh and revive yourself. You will take the time to do so, to exercise, to eat healthy, to um, socialize or associate with healthy people and take care of your four dimensions, physical, social, spiritual, mental, read good books, Spend time in the Word. Come to Bible study. Be part of a small group. If you're married, wake up in the morning, have devotional with your wife or your, or your husband. There's no excuse not to do that. Oh, well, he wakes up too early or, or she wakes up too late. Well, find, find a common time. As I said, that's what the Bible says. Two are better than one. It is time for you to come together and for the husband to play that role, to be the head of the house and, and pray blessings over the wife and over the children and over the family. There's, there's blessing in that. That's what the Bible says. And he who promised is faithful. We're called to pray for our children, grandchildren. The Bible says even the generation that hasn't even been born. He hears our prayers. And he answers them. If, if we don't pray for our children and our grandchildren and our community and our church, then who will? Friends, we all need to set time apart for self-renewal and for spending time, quality time with Jesus. And this process must be balanced, as we know too much of anything is not good for us. Sometimes we get tangled up in the issues of life. And our spirits become weakened and weary and tired. Or we're rushing, we're going too fast, and we need to slow down to catch up with the pace of grace. God wants us to live balanced lives. This is accomplished by practicing these seven habits. We need to be proactive. Begin with the end in mind. Put for things first. Think win-win. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. Synergize. And lastly, sharpen the saw. Prayer that Jesus prayed over 2,000 years ago, friends, it's still standing today. He established it. He, not only, if you read that whole chapter, you'll see, he didn't just pray for the disciples that he had right then and there, as they were going to be scattered. He prayed for the ones that were to come. Guess who those are? Us. Back then, he was praying for us. And he was praying for unity. 
And you and I have been called to be agents of unity and peace. May that be our heart's desire and our prayer as well. May we pray it over ourselves. Because you see, we're a trinity. We live in a body, we have a mind, but we're a spirit. And when we die, our spirits go to the Lord. There has to be harmony within us. There has to be peace. I hope we pray it over ourselves, our marriages, our families, our church, our community. Lord, make us one as you are one with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Father God, you are the only one that can bring unity. Help us to be intentional about that. We come against the spirit of division that is destroying our homes and our families and our churches. We pray that before we walk out of here or, or go to do something else, we would decide in our hearts that yes, we will be instruments of your peace and your unity and love everywhere we go. This we pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.